This is On The Radar with me, your host, Radar, and as always, we talk about local and national sport and pop culture as well, and do the coronavirus with only golf, tennis, UFC, boxing going on, and not any extra really live sporting events happening, as I've been doing recently, just covering all the things that happen in the world of pop culture and sports. Johnny Majors at 85 passed away. He was the winningest coach at both Pittsburgh and Tennessee. The WNBA is proposing a 22-game season because they would like to get their season in. And I don't blame them because they don't want to have to play in the winter-fall because that's where usually the WNBA players have to go to China or Russia. they got to go overseas to play because they pay more money for them than the actual WNBA gets paid in general. And that's another problem for another day to worry about. But the WNBA doesn't want to screw up their chances of those players making money by playing overseas in the fall-winter if the season were to start later. They really can't afford to start later. They could just have themselves one of those reduced seasons like some of the other sports are going to have to do. Hopefully that gets taken care of. Now, Kevin Durant, it says he is not going to play in the playoffs no matter what. Everybody was like, ooh, if we do 1-16, it'll be KD and Kyrie Irving versus LeBron and Anthony Davis. Ooh, it's a great matchup. Or just him in the playoffs in general in the East. Ooh. No, he has ruled himself that he's not going to play. He also has now bought a minority stake in one of the MLS teams of Philadelphia Union. I'm surprised he didn't buy any interest in the, the Washington team because he's from the Washington, D.C. area. Or a team in California because that's where he was playing before in New York now. But he bought the Philadelphia Union part ownership. The NBA has announced that they're going to have the draft lottery. In August, and the draft itself, excuse me, yeah, in, uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the last draft lot will be October 15th with the draft to follow it up after. Free agency is going to be in October 18th, and then they hope to tip off the season December 1st. Now, the question is, will they finish their regular season for next season, including the playoffs? Enough time to get the Olympics, which if you all remember, the Olympics was supposed to be this year in 2020. It got pushed back to 2021. So the all the NBA wants to do is get their regular season in as soon as possible after this season and the Olympics. Yeah, there's more chance of injuries to happen to the player, but that's why they need to get this thing started. I don't know why in the month of June, as I said last week, they're not playing these eight games to get themselves revved back up and then start the playoffs in July. A little bit too much time sitting off because these plans are from a couple of months ago. Things have changed. You could have updated things that potentially maybe the finals could be played at people's home places at this point, but it's not. Now, Marcelo Zuna, unfortunately, his wife attacked him, attacked him, and she was arrested on domestic abuse, you know, battery. He had, a, he had some facial injuries, but he'll be okay. Unfortunately, Bengals player uh, Ken Riley passed away at 72. Cornerback, he had the fifth most interceptions in NFL history. Three-time Pro Bowler. It's pretty good when you're top five list for any offensive or defensive list in history. And also, unfortunately, former Patriots, Chargers, and Washington wide receiver passed away at age 41. Reese Caldwell, they ruled it as a homicide. Somebody shot and killed him. He hadn't had a really great time after football, being arrested for drug possession, and going to jail and being on probation. But rest in peace to him, to Ken Riley and Johnny Majors, the coach. Dalvin Cook in Football News has decided that he's also going to sit out because he deserves to get more money. 
And he has to realize, in this day and age, running backs are deemed disposable because they chew you out in the first couple of years on your rookie contract. And then when you want to become a free agent, they're like, no, you already used up all your mileage. It's not worth it anymore. And he looks at Kirk Cousins, who's like, needs everything to be perfect. Offensive line, skilled players, defense. And Kirk Cousins wouldn't be successful if it weren't for Dalvin Cook. But Dalvin Cook's also missed time due to injury, and the backup has seemingly just fit in. So that's another thing. And the Coyotes hired the first Hispanic, you know, Latino GM, president of operations, named Xavier Gutierrez. And, and, and continuing with sports, LaMarcus Aldridge has now decided to get shoulder surgery. I'm not saying if he got it in March or April, it would have made a difference, but he's going to miss a bunch of months, and he's hoping to be back for the regular season. But I was saying in this playoff format that even though the Spurs are not in the, they're not the AC like Memphis is, Suns have no chance. I don't think Portland has a chance. I feel like that the Spurs, when you have you had LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan and the rest of that team with Popovich coaching, that maybe, just maybe, they would sneak into the eighth spot. But now without Aldridge, I don't know. Because you need to have the two best players on the court. And I don't think that Memphis's John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. combination would have been better than DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. But now we'll never know. And this, and in Chicago news, they've canceled Lala, Taste, Taste of Chicago, Air and Water Show, Jazz Festival, the River Rock, the Cultural Centers events, and Millennial Park events. As now we know that there's no fun going to be this summer because Ravinia is one of the places that canceled concerts, Ticketmaster, Live Nation, and whatnot. So they canceled that stuff. And then in football news, Michael Thomas has paid $2.3 million to relieve all the medical debt for people in New Orleans. A nice gesture for him to do that. And the latest proposal in baseball is an 89-game schedule. Here's hoping that baseball take it. Play. You got to figure out where in the middle you want to meet, how many games, and the pro-rated stuff. Because you're missing opportunity that if you just would have agreed a month or so ago, or even this month, that you're going to have to compete with the basketball and the hockey play, uh, postseason for the next couple of months. And then football and college football are going to start. Your ratings are not going to be good, and nobody's going to go to the ballpark. So you're really just screwing yourself out of that. And um, Ryan O'Rourke, former Twins and Mets reliever, he also announced his retirement. And the Pro Football of Fame, for those who want to, who are in Canton and want to check it out, it just opened up. Now, if and if baseball does resume, something that is something that I do all the time. Instead of counting sheep when I go to bed, I also count sports things like every second baseman or every quarterback or every running back or point guard or all-time stuff, you know, that sort of thing. Or who played on this team that used to be on this team. And one thing I do is if they actually had a DH, because if you noticed on my all-time major league, you know, roster for every 25 team in baseball, 25 roster for all 30 teams, I had myself a DH. It makes things easier because nobody want to watch Cy Young or... Roger Clemens bat. Nobody wants to watch that stuff. We want to watch the best players go out there and actually do what they're supposed to. So starting off with the local Chicago team, no joke. I pretty much did not need to write this down. The only things I've written down in front of me are names of players that I've never heard of or that they're, they move from one team to the other that I can't remember. But it's easy. The answer for the Cubs is Kyle Schwerber. The man was a catcher in college in the minor leagues. Injury no longer going to catch. And when you play on a national team like the Cubs, 
and Anthony Rizzo is a cornerstone player at first base, you're not going to get at bats at first base. You're only going to be able to play left field. Now, what that does for the Cubs, it was Shorebrick DHing, would open up the chance for Sousa, who they signed in the in the offseason, who's a natural born second baseman who moved to the outfield, but has been a major league outfielder for most of his career. Kip is a former outfielder who the Indians have played in the outfield during the playoffs before, but he's really second baseman, but he's not good at that either. They both can get at bats in left field, or Ian Happ can get at bats in left field, and you can continuously play Albert Amore Jr. in center and Jason Hayward in right and have two good defensive outfielders, and that's the reason why Jason Hayward didn't win a gold glove last year because he spent way too many innings in center field where he's passable. He's not gold glove caliber. Now, the Reds, they signed a Japanese import, Shogo, Shogo Akiyamara, and they signed Nicky Nick, Nick, Nick Castellanos and Mike Mustalkitz. The and the, 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 the foreign import, Japanese import, he is a guy who's played multiple positions in his career, but he, he's a DH, really. And he would only be playing like corner Alfie for the Reds. And Moustakis is a third baseman who's masquerading the second baseman, but really should be a first baseman DH because he's never been a great defensive third baseman. He had a short couple of months stint playing second base in Milwaukee last year. And the previous year, somebody else did instead of him. But he's best suited to be a DH. And what that does is it moves Nick Senzel out of the outfield, and he can't play center field. He's not a really good center fielder. And that would let guys like Philip Irvin, Scott Shevler, Jesse Winker, Archimedes, Akimendo, um, Archimedes, yeah, and then um, they also got themselves Travis Jankowski as well. So there's a bunch of Reds outfielders who are either natural-born outfielders to begin with or natural-born center fielders, and moving Nick Senzel, who's a natural-born infielder, back to the infield and taking Moustakas out is a good thing. You also can DH Nicky Castellanos, who, as we all know, is a natural-born third baseman who played minor league left field a bit, and they threw him in right field at Tiger instead of giving an opportunity in left. Between the two of them... You can alternate who's DHing so that your outfield defense is better and your infield defense is better, and the likes of Vado and Eugenio Suarez can also get the day off. Besides that, Shogo Akima getting at bats at DH as well. And for the Pirates, they should have traded Colin Moran the past couple years because the Pirates have about five or six natural born infielders. Adam Frazier is locked into second base, but they don't know who exactly is the shortstop. Kramer, Newman, Gonzalez, Martin, there's so many guys. Now, by playing them in the outfield like they did last year, it takes away bats from Brian Reynolds, who deserves to play every day, and Gregory Polanco, when healthy, is probably one of your best players. They did sign Gerard Dyson and Guillermo Rado, who are really backups, but nobody else in the team is qualified to play center field beside those two. So instead of playing those infielders in the outfield, you could play them at third base, too, and they get some at-bats there. Because you can either DH Colin Moran or DH the slugging Josh Bell and move Colin Moran to first base. And the Cardinals, they did trade Jose Martinez and another outfielder to the Rays, an outfielder to the Rangers. Marcelo Zuno left them. So Tyler O'Neill gets the first crack in left field, but he could also get the first cracks at DH. Yadi Molina could DH a couple days a week to be to stay healthy. But really, Tommy Edmond played really well last year playing all over the infield, but he's a natural-born infielder. You could play him at third base and DH Matt Carpenter, who is a miscast second baseman or third baseman and best suited to play first base. But Paul Goldschmidt, he's not going to play there. Then you got Milwaukee's got this whole weird dilemma they have. They went and signed Justin Smoke, Ryan Healy, and Lomo. They're both either natural-born first basemen who have no business playing the outfield, or Healy, who's a natural-born third baseman who's much better suited to play first base. They went out and signed Avi Garcia, and because he's never really played left field his career, he's most of it in DH last year, like, we're going to move Kristen Yelich, a guy who could have won two MVPs, to left field, even though... Christian Yelich is a good is a good outfielder. He can win a cool glove in right field. 
And Avi Garcia is a bad defensive outfielder in right field, but he doesn't want to play left. Which then bumps Ryan Braun the first base, even though Ryan Braun, you want him to get his enough at-bats so you can get his full thing. But you, as I said, have Lomo, Healy, and Smoke. There's not enough bats to go around. That it'd be best to go. Avi Garcia is the first option at DH, and maybe mix in Ryan Healy. Now, the other thing is Keston here hasn't been the most healthiest player in the minor league, nor the greatest defensive player, and he can get a pass at DH, so the plagues of Brock Holt, Eric Sogard, and Luis Urias, the guy in the trade, can all play in the infield as well. So they got all these moving parts in Milwaukee, a DH would really benefit. Atlanta, by, as I said about Marcelo Zuna leaving the Cardinals, they signed in to play left field. If Enders Yarte is healthy, Gold Glove Caliber leadoff hitter in center field, and Acuna's the right fielder, okay? Those are set. What's not set is you still have Marquecas, who may not be the... The player used to be Adam Duval, a miscast third baseman who was a miscast also playing the outfield, better suited to play first base DH, could hit 20, 30 home runs a year. But between him and Nick Marcakis, you get some sort of system of them DHing. And also, Travis Darno gets some at bats at DH because not a great catcher. Or Marcelo Zuna gets some at bats. That would help the Braves there to get those two guys in the lineup more often. Now, the Mets, you want to say this pretty much missed the past couple of years. Jed Lowry missed most of the season. J.D. Davis is a miscast third baseman who plays outfield. And Robinson Gano can't stay healthy. Between three veterans and J.D. Davis' defense, you got a number of opportunities of guys to D.H. By playing Cespedes to D.H., that would give either Martinez or Jeff or Jeff McNeil opportunities to play left field or making sure that you can have Brandon Nimmo in center field, and maybe Cespedes in left field as well if you're DHing people. Keep Michael Conforto out of center field because you have two center fielders. And then with infield, Lowry and Cano don't have to play every day in the infield, and that gives it bats as said to McNeil or Davis as well. Now the Phillies, the obvious answer is Jay Bruce because Jay Bruce is going to have to play left field, which McCutcheon's going to play center field, and he's no longer a center fielder, and you have Bryce Harper. They got retired to first base. It's too much. Now Washington... A way to keep Ryan Zimmerman healthy is you can DH him. Eric Thames, who's been a DH before, also can DH. You got Howie Kendrick and Estrubo Cabrera on your bench. They can rotate in some at-bats at DH as well. And Miami, they signed Matt Kemp, Corey Dickerson, and got Jesus Aguilar. Aguilar is probably the first real first baseman they've had in years. But he could D- he's really a DH. And also Dickerson and Matt Kemp at this point are DHs. So it helps them. The Dodgers... Max Muncy, if he DHs, that means that Cody Bellinger not to play the outfield. And he could play first base. And he could play AJ Pollock and Jack Peterson in the outfield with Mookie Betts. And he got three natural born center fielders in the outfield. And that would really improve your outfield defense. You also give Matt Beattie some of bats in DH so he doesn't play the outfield as well. And the Giants, they brought back Hunter Pence Kung Fu Panda. Both of them can get a bats at DH. Posey, Evan Longoria, and Brandon Bell can get a bats at DH to keep him healthy. And the Rockies, who have spent all that money on Ian Desmond, and they got enough outfielders to give him a lifetime of outfielders between Blackman and Tapia and Dahl, that you could DH Desmond to get his bat, or Murphy as well. And then the Dodgers, you can bat Mejia, the backup catcher, who's better offensively than Austin Hedges, or you could DH Paul Myers, who never got to play right field, center field, or third base, could play just left field maybe. And the Diamondbacks, paying all that money is money to Moth. Opens up a DH spot. But what also it is, Stephen Vogt is not a great defensive catcher. And the Giants played him in left field before. He can DH and get some at-bats. But really, Jake Lamb is miss, is it doesn't have a spot because of Ed, Escobar at third base and, and uh, Walker at first base. So there's that. So the DH really helps teams that have a bad defensive player 
opens up more playing time for somebody or as you rotate through guys who all can't field or need at bats. Now, in the pop culture world, Hartley Sawyer was fired over racist and, and misogynist tweets from a couple years back. Now, I can't say that I am 100% saying he's so horrible he deserves to be fired. I also believe in second chances. I also believe people learn from their mistakes. Just because you believe something or talked about something years ago doesn't mean you're the same person. You have the same views. People grow and they change. It's like when people found tweets of Josh Hader and other baseball players and other athletes from years ago when they were in high school or college or whatever, and it just kind of blow up the story in their life. So I said, you can learn, you can get second chances. I cannot say this, that I'm 100% not a racist person. Everybody has racist thoughts. They get stereotypes stuck in their head from how they were raised, from the television shows and movies they watched. But over time, you become a person and your opinions change and you realize to yourself, you know what? You know, I don't really think that way anymore. I changed. Like Drew Brees, he made the mistake of what he said, but he realized automatically, he realized when people talked to him that that's wrong. So he changed his opinion. Now it was a very quick turnaround. But for Hartley Sawyer, I'm just like, maybe you should have suspended him. Firing from the show is really drastic. Yes, his tweets are unacceptable, but he's a character where when you introduced him as a guy who's selfish, a slob, who didn't care about anybody else, and he didn't like the Flash Barry because they kicked him off the fourth, and they helped him get his life back in order and helped him be Barry's sidekick because they rushed to tell the story of Kid Flash, Jesse Quick, and then they brought in Barry's daughter, which was also completely stupid and pointless while you still have him, and there was a chance that he could have died in the first season when the Thinker was trying to take over his body, and he's been in the season with Cicada, and he's a season with Bloodsport, you know, this year. So he's been in three full seasons with the show, Yes, I'm not caught up on Flash, but he has gone from that immature, selfish guy who doesn't care about anybody else to really caring about other people, him as Caitlyn's relationship, him being a real good private investigator, and his character growing on you. Because what I didn't like is because they played it off like a plastic man, a dumb idiot who doesn't care about anybody else is stupid and tries and screws things up all the time. He's The elongated man's character is supposed to be one of the more well-respected detectives in all of comic book history in terms of who Batman respects. And if you're not going to play a character that that Batman doesn't respect, it doesn't really say that much. But guess what? He's matured, the character, and he's more responsible. You can rely on him. So you've grown with the character for three years, and he's changed, you know, as a character, not just as a person in this thing. And you're like, you know, Barry doesn't have a sidekick because they screwed up the kid Flash, the Jesse Quick, and his daughter. Now, I wish certain actors or actresses in that show said stuff and they fired them. But hopefully... They write it out that he either went and got a job as a police officer again in another time, town, or he moved his private investigator in office somewhere else because they don't have time to film him getting killed or something. It's just way too much effort. Now, this week was the... I, I This past week, I wrote a review on Stargirl, the new DC show. Now, that show is uplifting... It's got a positive message. Yeah, it's got teenage girl, high school drama, knowing what everybody in the school is doing. But it's a great premise because they've never really told a story about Justice League team or Justice Society team. And the versions they told in Arrow with Wildcat, not part of the Justice Society, the Jay Garrick being from another dimension, being the good guy or bad guy, not the story. Legend of Tomorrow, pretty much some of the characters are either from, you know, different groups. You know, you know Sam, you know, Uncle Sam has a crime-fighting group. That's where uh, Nate's character from Legends Grandfather's from. And they showed Obsidian, which is a part of the Justice Society Junior. Vixen's not a part of Justice Society. She's part of the Justice League. So they really did a good job of telling the story of Justice Society. Now, 
In this one, Luke Wilson plays Stripe, the man who has a robot suit, but back then he didn't. He was Starman's sidekick. And supposedly the Justice Society lose to the Injustice Society. Starman is played by Joel McHale, Wildcat, Dr. Midnight, Our Man, Johnny Thunder, Johnny Thunderbolt, whatever I mean, excuse me, Alan Scott, Green Lantern, Jay Garrick, Flash, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, all these, all the Justice Society characters that you know of and remember all die in a battle. And one thing I don't believe is Icicle is the leader or something. You got Brainwave, you got Sportsmaster, Tigrith. You got some sort of magician, and the only magician I know is Zara's father. I mean, Zatanna's father, you know, Zara, you know, Zatanna's father, who was in the Justice Society years ago. There's characters like that, but yeah, there's evil magician. They got all the icicles, supposedly the villain in charge, and they're in this town where the mother of the Star Girl works for the company. A lot of the kids' parents work for them, or they work for the hospital. And it's, they show the children of the evil villain's kids. Now, unless they're following the footsteps, I really don't care what the children of the evil people are doing. It's a waste of time. Now, they're going to show the young superheroes, because the whole point is that she be, she be, is deemed worthy, and she thinks it's because Starman's her father, who hadn't shown up since she was a kid, and only shows up once once a year or whatever, and abandoned them. And just by chance, his ex-wife and his daughter are now in a marriage, in a family with stripe and his kid and they move back to the old town and or moved out to the move to this old town that they both supposedly were in and they didn't know the villains were there but now they are and the, the staff seem the staff teams are worthy and luke wilson's like i don't think you're ready i'm sure responsible for this because joel McHale's character was called star spangled band of boy before he became the man because there's been so many star men in the comics and she in the comics was called star spangled banner girl first now, she then proves worthy enough, and they take down Brainwave and some other people in the show. And then he shows her the Just Society is gone. Leave everybody where they are. They all died. He should just move on. We shouldn't take on them all by himself. There's a whole team of people. So she then, in the trailers, takes it upon herself to recruit the people that she goes to high school with to become, you know, Our Man, Dr. Midnight, Dr. Fate, as I, I forgot to mention, Hawkman, Hawkgirl maybe, you know, Johnny Thunderbolt. Alan Scott, Jay Garrick, you name it, Wildcat, all these people to recruit them to form the new Virgin Justice Society, which would be what you call like the Junior Justice Society, take on the Injustice Society. So it's a very good show, and I feel like they can do this for a while, because ACW really doesn't cancel their shows, nor would they cancel their superhero show anyway. So I feel like this show is automatically going to be renewed, and because there's no other show going to be on this summer, because CBS, NBC, and ABC are either pushing or holding back their show, this is the only show on TV that's going to be a new broadcast show. So I would definitely go out and watch this show if you like superhero shows, you like comic book superhero show, lighthearted, good message, uplifting story. It's about a team, not just one person really was going to be. It is called Stargirl, but they're going to build the team together. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the show progresses as over time as she ages and all the characters and stuff. And what really they have the budget for. Because making a stick glow or float, they can do that. The robot suit, somebody can build that from the outside and just pretend what it does. And you can do Wildcat because he doesn't have superpowers. And Starman, again, is her thing. And then Dr. Midnight, Hour Man, Dr. Fate. It really depends on how much they have for special effects. Same thing with Johnny Thunderbolt. I don't know if they're going to do a power ring for Alan Scott. If somebody's going to be able to get electricity, struck them and become Jay Garrick and wear the helmet. Dr. Fate's helmet, that's also a thing. Hawkman and Hawkgirl is just reincarnated people, so I don't feel like that's going to be a thing. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. 
Now, in terms of finales this week, we had the Legends of Tomorrow finale where they were going to take down the Luma Fate sisters where Charlie's one of them and they were put into a TV show the last time and they had a plan. Astra and John did magic to destroy the loom. Sarah fought the dagger sister. And they're looking for the ship, the rest of them. And of course, they killed the dagger sister. They had a plan to do it. But then they got the time ship. They let like Mick and uh, his daughter and some other people left, you know, and Mona and Gary kind of helped them. Six months into the future where they make a fate watch by using Gideon. So that was cool to use that. And it was just the one fate and Charlie. And of course, they convinced Charlie to take down her sister. And Astra helping them and stuff. It was cool. Like, they're considered one of the most hated people in this museum of bad ideas and bad people. Like, gum and some other stuff. And they, you know, and they got to fight all the bad guys and the fighting stuff and hell weapons. And then they, they finally take down the evil fate by, you know, Charlie convincing her that you want us to kill you. Because you're a regular human now. You have no, you have no powers anymore. And she goes away. Charlie eventually says, I'm gun. She wants to go back to living normal life. So she goes back to her punk band. Things like that. And Sarah's no longer blind because they killed that fate. But then, unfortunately, you know, you can't have two Zaris because they're from different timelines and they're merging. And in one of the timelines, the brother, he dies. So in order for him to live, because they really want this character because he fits seamlessly into the show, even though he's not really part of it. He's kind of replacing Nate as the male bro with Nate and the other characters. He's got a good connection with the captain and Mick and all the characters. That the the Zari that we all didn't like because I said, oh, we're done with the totems. There's no point of having her anymore because they returned Vixen back to where she belongs. Yada, yada, yada. That maybe, just maybe, that she should have gone back. They introduced her brother. Positive. Now, I like the older Zari because she did stuff. She was tech person, she played video games, they shipped her with Nate, that's fine, Nate should have a girlfriend, whoopty flipping do if he has a girlfriend or not, but the issue is, the one that they're going to keep is the one that's all about social media and her phone, and I don't know if she and her brother, you know, could share the totem, it's kind of silly and stuff, and she's kind of useless, yeah, she gets a glimpse of how to use technology, but it's like, I prefer the tomboyish one who's a mechanic and is in a relationship with Nate than the one that's has a really high-pitched voice and is stupid and doesn't know about fashion and makeup. And she hooked up with John because I don't like that pairing. It really doesn't go together because he's like the slum of the earth. And she's like a reality, you know, TikTok type of star, you know, YouTube star. Nobody, really, They don't really fit together. But they ended on a good note. I just don't know if they're supposed to get a 15 to 18 amount of episodes of, of a season. Because they, you know, by starting in the spring... They weren't going to get a full 20 to 22 episodes. What I feel like that they were supposed to get this year was maybe. Maybe they were supposed to get. They got 15 episodes this year. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. So maybe they're supposed to get 17 or 18 because I'm not sure how the CW, you know, was affected by the shutdown, how many episodes they were supposed to get. But it was a nice ending, even though it ended in a cliffhanger. Now, Baker and the Beauty ended with nine episodes. I don't think that was their goal. I think that most shows like this year, like Bluff City Law and Lincoln Ryan, The Hunt for Bone Collector, and others, they get ten episodes. Some of the sitcoms, like Outmatch and Dead, they get ten episodes. I don't think they're supposed to get ten. I think they're supposed to get maybe ten, this ABC show, and the coronavirus shut down, and they were supposed to get ten, maybe twelve episodes, because it ends on a cliffhanger. 
for the two-hour, it wasn't really a two-hour finale. It was that they said, you know what? We only have two episodes left. Let's show them. So they then decide to show said episode where, you know, she breaks up with him, helps with the quinceanera and the restaurant if they want to keep it or not. His brother's career with a musician and his brother's ex-girlfriend being with his brother. It's all the stuff for Daniels. Too much stuff. Him getting a job opportunity. You know, his girlfriend's manager having cancer. There was just too much going on. Like, you get emotionally attached when you sit through almost 10 episodes of a season and there's a lot of drama and things happening to characters with too much going on. But it ends, but their two-hour finale really was a finale. It really was like, okay, we got only two episodes left. Why don't we just show those two episodes? That's probably what it was, is they show these two episodes ABC because they have no more and they just wanted to move on. Because ABC, as I told you, showing funny games on Sunday night and on Wednesday and on Thursday and 2020 Shark Tank on Friday nights. And then Monday and Tuesday has just been like reruns of stuff. And Wednesday night has been movies and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, they end in a cliffhanger, spoiler, that Noah and Daniel decided they're engaged. They're going to get married, even though she's supposed to go away for three months as a, you know, an actress, which is her finally her dream and stuff. Now, it was really cool, like a romantic comedy where he's got to get the truck and get in the airport and buy it ticket even though he doesn't have the money for it with a boarding pass oh you're too late to do this oh who cares about the shoes let's run and get her and they thought they missed the flight and then no they really didn't yada 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 so it ends on a cliffhanger and as i said before the show was very flawed it's all over the place too much going on too much soap opera stuff it's probably not gonna be renewed so the show's gonna end on a cliffhanger not get a full 10 episodes i'm sorry about that there's that but yeah so watch star girl Hopefully, now that Charlie's left the show, then maybe next year they'll figure out a way to send Zari, the annoying one, back to her time period and just have her brother. Because I do not need her to be in the show if she's not going to be with Nate and she's going to be with John and her character is useless, no offense. If her brother's going to be the, the mechanic tech guy. Now, I don't know what next season's going to be, that they're going to keep John Constantine in the show. and they're Because once Astra decided she's going to be a good person and live her life as a human... Charlie's sister is just moving on. It's no longer in the story. And Charlie's gone. The other sister was dead. They moved on from evil sisters, fate sister, the loom of fate. They moved on from that. They got to give John Constantine his own show. Or if Swamp Thing gets a season two on CW, that John becomes a reoccurring character on that show. Or the CW just gives John his own show. Because if John does leave, like Charlie left, and then Kate Rizzari, all you have left is going to be Sarah, her girlfriend, the clone, Ava, Mick with his daughter occasionally and then Nate and stupid Mona and stupid Gary and that's it and and the brother that's like pretty much it. it's going to be three men and two women and it's just going to be it's going to be a time for a reboot to introduce new characters and like a whole new villain and premise for the season go back to time traveling that's what it's going to have to be but yeah again thanks for listening to On the Radar where I can't believe it that we've already done 33 episodes that's incredible that, you know, I've done 33 of these, mostly from home, just not longer in the library, you know, in a better professional sense. And remember, as always, my long-form articles, like the All-Time Baseball Project, is on, on the radar. Thing is on Radar442 and Blogger. My uh, YouTube to subscribe to my videos is on the radar my twitter follow handle is radar4428 and as always like and follow me on facebook on on the radar entertainment blog download whatever get your podcast like google spotify and apple or donate to my podcast on anchor.com thanks for listening on the radar episode number 33 see you guys next time